following program was produced by the United States Courts. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. My name is Jeremy. We are here today to discuss X-Men 37, the October 1967 issue titled, We the Jury. But that's not what it says on the cover. On the cover, it says that the X-Men are on trial for treason against Homo Superior. Yes, but if you look at the little arrow at the bottom of the cover, it says, Extra, don't miss the surprise appearance of some of the X-Men's mightiest foes in We the Jury. It also says, at last, our merry mutants come face-to-face with the macabre master of Factor 3. There's a lot of text on this cover, and thank God we're finally getting somewhere in this whole Factor 3 thing. Um, Hopefully it's all over in this issue. (laughs) You getting tired of Factor 3? Yes, I would like to. I don't know. Do anything else? We could we could revisit Magneto, Sentinels. Uh, I don't know. I would take even uh, Kazar at this point. <laughs> the Kazar issue was good. <laughs> well, uh, he, they, it could be just like the X Men and Zabu just go shopping, <laughs> and <I> would, Zabu, <laughs> Zabu, go get me some milk. <laughs> That's the noise I imagine Zabu makes. Anyhow, so they're, uh, the X-Men are trapped underneath some sort of force bubble. And there is, if you look at this shot, it looks like a woman with a helmet with red hair operating some dials and controls. Mm-hmm. That's at least what I see when I look at this cover. Except the hair is a collar. I could see that as a hair. As, <laughs> as a hair. As hair. At first glance, it looks like hair. But yes, this is actually a dude with a rather oddly constructed neck piece. Is this presumably the dude from last issue with the shoe for a head? I don't remember. I got to flip back. I'm flipping back. I'm actually going back. No. (laughs) No. Okay. Different hat construction. But at least Factor 3 is definitely into their hat. So they're uh, they're a, um, a fashionable bunch. They're consistent with the hat design. Yes. Or consistent with having hat design. We should note that the professor is still straining above the X-Men logo, even though we haven't seen him in the comic book since. Adam, can you tell me the last time we saw Professor X in an X-Men comic? The last time we saw him in an X-Men comic was when he was kidnapped. Which was? Back in the Juggernaut issue 33. Okay, well, so it's only been four issues? Jeez, it seems like a lot more. Uh, It seems like we've been doing this Factor 3 thing for so much longer. (laughs) So we have the X-Men under a bubble. Cyclops is blasting the bubble. Beast is pounding the bubble. Iceman is sending ice balls at the bubble. He's sending his balls at the bubble. (laughs) Uh, Angel is flying around, and Marvel Girl looks on. Marvel Girl is doing a pose. She's she's doing a dance. She's she's go-go dancing. I don't know, Iceman looks like he's doing some, like he's pointing off into the the side there. It's almost like because of Angel's lines that show his flight, it makes Iceman look like he's doing a pivotal turn. It does. He looks badass there. It looks like he's like really coolly like turning around and shooting all at the same time. Take that corner of the bubble. (laughs) Corner of the bubble. (laughs) Take that spherical side of the bubble. (laughs) 
Uh, yes, if if there was a target there or a villain, it would like it would really complete the picture. But as he's just shooting at a bubble, it's it's really not that impressive. This this would be a far more effective tact than his usual freezing somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pelting people in the face with frozen snowballs, I think, would hurt. Yeah, yeah, especially if they could like make them ice balls. I could do some damage. So as we uh, open the comic book, we we do in fact find that the story is called "We the Jury." Uh, so the cover did not lie. It says that at the time is the present. The place is a hollowed-out mountain fortress in the very heart of Europe. I guess we've established all that. And on the view screen, we're watching a very dramatic reenactment of the very first time the X-Men fought the Juggernaut for some reason. So apparently uh, Mr. Shoehead here has a VCR. It's Shoehead. He's returned. Yep. Uh, and before we get too far into the tale, Stanley presented this thing that Roy Thomas and Ross Andrew, who apparently are the apex of the atomic age and accomplishment, uh, crafted. Don Heck was back delineating, and Artie Simic lettered it, and of course, uh, jury stacking was done by Honest Irv. Also, Irving Vorbush is still around. Back. I think he wasn't present in the last issue, but... Uh, he was sorely missed, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the shoe head man is watching the X-Men fight a very egg-shaped juggernaut. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't look very foreboding, strong, or menacing as he has in other renderings. He literally looks like Humpty Dumpty if Humpty Dumpty were to put juggernaut clothes on. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. Do you see something else? No, no. I, I, I follow your egg analogy. <laughs> okay. Uh, and he's, he's for some reason, he's mourning the fact that the Juggernaut has been defeated twice by the X-Men. And uh, he, he wants to know why and how. Mm-hmm. And I understand wanting to know how, but why is pretty obvious. He's the Juggernaut. Yeah, and he was bad and the X-Men are good. You know, that's, that's the yeah. why. Uh, and, and so um, you'd think that he could learn how the X-Men defeated the Juggernaut by reviewing some of these tapes that he apparently has on hand. He's getting to that part. Ah, okay. So anyways. <laughs> he keeps fast-forwarding through the how part. He's very impatient. <laughs> oh, I missed it again. Darn it. <laughs> so as we go to the next page, we get our first glimpse of Shoe Hat Man. And he's a weird, crazy-looking dude. He's very excited. He's got big, crazy cat-like eyes too. He does, and his hat tower or like goes over his 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 eyes, like so. There's there's a big shadow being cast over his eyes because mm-hmm. his helmet goes out that far. It's a big helmet. Yeah, I gotta wonder, you know, what's 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 the point behind the helmet? I mean, I guess we're gonna find out. Uh, something, you know, maybe he's kind of like the unicorn where he shoots things out of his helmet. Because that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, look like little uh, little bike handles on the side. Oh, maybe somebody rides him. Maybe he turns into a scooter. Yeah, and it looks like a little miniature seat where the shoe is. Yeah, so somebody <laughs> sits on his head and then holds his ears like a handle. Yeah. yeah that could be. That could be. Um, also got to point out here that uh, so eventually uh, 
He has seen enough. The scenes have shown all that he needs to assure the victory over the infernal teenagers. One would have to wonder what that is in analyzing those juggernaut tapes. Because the juggernaut lost both times. Don't do what the juggernaut did. Apparently the plan involves shooting an egg out of the mountain to go get the X-Men. Yes. Magno Disc 1, report. Are you ready to attack? Yes, number 2. We shall reach the impact area within moments. I'm not sure how he ascertained that an egg craft would take out the X-Men by analyzing these videotapes, but I'm sure the story will reveal everything as we traverse. I'm sure it's some complex plan. <laughs> Meanwhile, the X-Men are on a commercial air f- airline uh, flying from America to Europe. You'll remember that last issue, some dude gave these guys money for saving his son or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're talking about some things like, we can't really be sure if we can find him without Cerebro. And here's where the stewardess overhears them and says, may I ask what... Th- was the factor three you mentioned just now? Since when has a stewardess ever interrupted and like asked you what you were talking about? This is the 60s, man. It was a different time. It's back when they <laughs> served you meals, gave you the whole can of soda, and inquired about what you were talking about while you were flying. I can only assume. I wasn't alive at the time, but uh, I've heard stories, man. I've heard stories. Excuse me, sir. You're clearly talking to someone. Might I interrupt you and ask what you're talking about? I know I have work to do over here, but I would like to ask you what you're talking about when you mention that factor three thing there. Beast tries to cover by saying that it's an ingredient for liquid detergents. I don't know. And then, of course, Angel is thinking to himself, good old Hank, he really thinks on his feet. (laughs) Wait, he goes on to say, but then, so could I, if I had tootsies like his. Oh, I see what he's saying. He's good at thinking on his feet because he has big feet. Right. Well, right. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> the stewardess walks away, and Cyclops and Marvel Girl have some sort of conversation about how hard it is to be cheerful because... They're all upset that the professor is kidnapped. When suddenly the plane, it dips, and people are freaking out. No, Gene, we were just caught in a momentary downdraft. There's nothing to worry about. But then, with a big ram, we get a uh, some sort of explosion just outside the plane. Mm-hmm. Someone's turning the sky into a shooting gallery, and where are the targets? Says Beast. They discover that it's some sort of egg-shaped craft moving at fantastic speeds. And somebody makes the assumption uh, that it's no conventional plane. It can only belong to Factor 3. That's a mighty big leap of faith. (laughs) It must be. And it means to destroy the plane and the X-Men. Fortunately, the downdraft saved our lives. Uh, whew, thank, Lucky downdraft. Thank goodness for air currents. Scott, that must mean that they know where we're here. That we may meet that we mean to stop whatever it is they're plotting. But how could they have known? Yes, how could they have known? <laughs> and how could the X Men leap to this kind of a conclusion? I guess it's the X Men and they're mutants and But as pointed out in the next panel, the 
And fortunately for the fortunes of the stunned X-Men, Scott Summers has guessed correctly. All of that magic, <laughs> magical guessing. He was right. Yeah. Well, he says, uh, look, it's hovering above us as if it's, if it's readying itself for the kill. Uh, yeah. So he guessed it. Our first ray blast missed because of my, an accursed piece of luck being the downdraft. They are factor three. That is correct. And they are closing in for the kill. And in fact, they're not going to shoot them anymore. They're just going to ram them. Oh, well, sure. When you have an egg-like ship like that, what else are you going to do with it? We can survive such a violent collision, but the X-Men cannot. So the X-Men do what any logical, selfless teenage team would do and evacuate the plane. Yeah, so the plan here is that... um... Uh, okay, mutants, it's time to get going. Quiet, Bobby, you'll give away our secret identities. Don't worry, everybody's too busy to men notice us. Okay, open the door, Hank, and fast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, those guys that were talking about mutants, they just opened the door, and uh, uh, the pressure in here is dropping, and the airbags came out. I wonder who they no, were. No, no, no. They're too scared to notice. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, my gosh, I'm so scared. Ah, somebody opened the, the door. No, I didn't notice that. Ah. <laughs> So they open up the door, release cabin pressure. Angel's got a suitcase in his uh, hands, which, um, spoilers, even though we're going to get there anyways. I thought, okay, so they must have grabbed some parachutes for this fall, but no, it's, it's just a suitcase. Uh, Scott's plan is to grab onto Angel and tell Beast to grab onto Cyclops and jump out of the airplane, which... They don't quite manage to do. Cyclops maintains a hold of Warren, but Beast doesn't for some reason. So they're all kind of now they're all free falling. Well, Beast has it looks like Warren's uh, leg. leg. He does have his leg. You're right. He has his leg. And Marvel Girl is holding Iceman by by his hand. So before we get too far, in past issues, haven't we made a determination? of what Angel's strength is and how much he can actually fly with? I don't know, but they're running on adrenaline right now, so keep that in mind. I'm going to give him the adrenaline piece for now, uh, but I want to say that in past issues when adrenaline hasn't been a factor, his limit has pretty much been one person sitting on his back or him carrying in his arms, but that's about it. Well, here his wings aren't even like free yet because cyclops is on top of them yeah. we're we're getting there adam don't you <laughs> don't you worry we're getting what well, I'm, I'm just trying to set up some limits so with adrenaline maybe he could do two people um but that's taking off from the ground and going skybound that's not going at uh, a free fall 32 feet per second in speed of gravity that's all i'm trying to establish here and now we may move on with the rest of this exciting bit of falling so cyclops raises his sunglasses and takes a blast at the flying saucer egg-shaped craft and uh he destroys it with one blast finally some good use for cyclops i didn't mean to destroy the ship only to damage it but they were willing to murder dozens of innocent passengers just to, get it, just to get at us. So no use wasting too much pity on them. And all of the other X-Men are like, wow, Cyclops did it. He, he <laughs> did it with his force moves and he blew them up. 
swallow. And they're all, if those factor three people were so confident, they neglected to have sufficient armor. And only Cyclops is the one who's like, oh. But I mean, <laughs> realistically, uh, he doesn't know it, but I think we determined that there's two, at least a person, if not two people on board. Uh, there might be robots or something. I don't know. Well, it could be a drone, but there's a potential that there could be two living, breathing, flesh and blood people in that craft that Cyclops murdered. Is this the first X-Men related death? Um, Like you said, I don't think anybody was in there, so nobody probably died. But Cyclops has no way of knowing that. And to answer yeah. your question, I don't know if an X-Man has yet murdered or killed somebody yet. I don't Not think... on screen, at least. I mean, there was the time <laughs> that Iceman froze the John Wayne cowboy guy. All right. And sent him back into town. That guy's clearly dead. Yeah, yeah. And then there was that time that Angel beat up and killed that prostitute. That was that ha- <laughs> happened off panel, but it happened. Right, trust me, right. trust me. All right, well, anyways, um, so they're still free-falling, clenched onto Angel, move to the next page. Everybody realizes now that they're in a free-fall and they need to come up with some sort of plan. Marvel Girl tries to use her telekinetic powers to slow her and um, Bobby down. And this, I have a question on this. Doesn't, isn't telekinesis uh, like a force power? And yeah. We, and, and so what I mean by that is you have to, it it reacts to, or it reacts to like a physical device, so I can pick up a a pencil with it, uh, or I can repel myself off of a wall or the ground. But if I'm ten thousand feet, twenty thousand feet in the air, what is my telekinesis going to buy me? Mm, I don't know. To the pressure. I, <laughs> I don't know if there's going to be much pressure if you're free falling. I'm not sure. I mean, he she, she could repel herself off of Iceman, but. But I don't think she could be able to. I don't think she would be able to slow herself down. Because even when Marvel Girl flies around, she's really only like maybe seven feet off the ground, if that. Because she's repelling off. The, well, anyways, okay. So I'm nitpicking. Anyhow, so she's trying to slow herself down, uh, and they're all thinking, okay, if only Angel can get his wings free in time, then we'll be okay. So Cyclops starts ripping the jacket off of Warren's back. As he's doing this, he drops his glasses. Then he reaches for his glasses, and then he falls off of Warren's back, and now Cyclops is free-falling through space. Well, through the air. Yeah, without his glasses. With his eyes shut, which is pretty terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, do you think it would be more uh, uh, terrifying or less terrifying? He can't see anything. I don't know. He that that would suck though. I mean, I would want to have my eyes open. I don't think I could keep my eyes closed if I was free falling. And do you know how we know that Cyclops is frightened for his life? If you look at the third panel on page five here, it looks as if he has aged about twenty years. <laughs> that is a terrible drawing of uh, Scott Summers. He's all wrinkly with a bunch of worry lines everywhere. It's very windy. So anyways, he, he, he wants to keep his eyes shut because he doesn't want to take the chance of uh, just shooting wildly and taking out one of the X-Men. But, Very noble. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he's a leader. He's got to take one for the team. Uh, he doesn't realize that there is a pinnacle just below him, but Marvel Girl does, and she tries to call out to him, but he's too far away, and nothing can save him now. Nothing! She tries to use telekinesis, and that doesn't work either because she's already strained pretty far. 
Because she's trying to repel off of 20,000 feet of ground. You know, of course. Yeah. Uh, Beast comes to, uh, ac- springs to action. <clears throat> Beast springs to action. He kind of flips himself towards uh, Cyclops' way. But before he does that, he says, God, to help Scotty. As soon as I grab this suitcase, Warren's tossing. And then Warren says, here, Hank, catch. So he sees that his, his leader is heading towards the uh, this pinnacle. And uh, he's like, Beast, before you go after the... Before you go after our leader, here, take this suitcase. It's just kind of silly. I that something really important is in that suitcase. <laughs> More important than what was in the Pulp Fiction suitcase uh, or the Repo Man suitcase. Uh, I'm sure we'll find out what was in that suitcase later on in the issue. But in the meantime, he gets the suitcase. He does some backflips. He gets himself towards. Um, uh, Scott, his plan is to try to swing himself around so that he can push Cyclops out of the way, but apparently he only gains enough momentum to reach Cyclops, but not to actually push him. What I want to know is how did he gain momentum? Because there was nothing to push off of. He pushed off of Angel. <laughs> oh, okay. He could do that. He could do that. It actually kind of looks like that in the second panel. Like he used, yeah. he like repels off of Angel's feet. I buy that. Okay. And he's the beast, so he can do the stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now they're both heading towards the pinnacle. Now, presumably Beast here aims Scott's head. I, I kind of wish we had seen like the, his hand on the back of Scott's head in this panel. See, he doesn't, but I think that would have been a much better idea just for him to like grab his hair and just like push it towards the pinnacle and be like, open your <laughs> eyes, open your damn eyes. But no, he, he talks him through it. Quick, open your eyes, directly blow us, a jutting rock. Holy Hannah, will even my eye beams work in time? Zask. <laughs> Zask. Uh, you did it, son. And there were only moments from impact. We get a little narrative from Stanley, who says, yeah, I know that seven panels have uh, passed since Marvel Girl said that Cyclops was going to crash on the rock, but the human mind can think very fast when it's in a stressful situation. But they did a lot of talking in that few seconds. <laughs> All right. It must have been talking to the Yeah. Meanwhile. Angel finally gets his wings out of his jacket. They burst out. Presumably his shirt is busted open. Now, this is where I think um, we would need to talk about some physics. Now, I know that gravity is 32 feet per second, which is what a free fall is. So that's how far, uh, that's how fast they're falling, which is going to cause a reverse force on them, pushing, kind of pushing upward on them. If you were to like extend out flaps or wings, so I'm wondering um, what equation could be come up with to find out how much force is actually pushed upon his wings as soon as he releases them. Because my opinion is, as soon as he releases them from his shirt, they immediately bust off, <laughs> <laughs> just due to the wind pressure. I don't know. How do birds handle free falls? I don't think birds go into free falls, to be quite honest. Sure they do. They do. I've seen birds. They do, like, straight down free falls, and then they turn off at the last second. Oh, but they're... See, okay, uh, I think in that case what they do is they're they're aiming downward, and their wings are also kind of uh, aiming downward, and they kind of angle them upward, so they catch the wind, and then they sail upward. In this picture, he literally is falling feet first down, opens his wings which looked like it would be falling against the force, and to me, it looked like they would just burst off of his body. Plus, he's a lot bigger than a bird. 
that he is. <laughs> well, anyways, okay, so that uh, is... But you're, you're missing the, uh, the amazing caption that, or the amazing sound effect that is going with his wing burst. Flap! <laughs> so clearly he is surviving by this monstrous flap that he has. Gotcha. So not only does the does he he survive his wings survive and it looks like he's regained some level of control so that he's not quite in a free fall, but he then catches uh, Cyclops and Beast, and they, he still has the suitcase. He, the Beast still has the suitcase. They're worried about Gene and Bobby. Uh, something's wrong with Bobby's face in the second panel. He kind of looks like the Molecule Man from the Secret Wars <laughs> saga, if you remember, or actually from Fantastic Four, but. I know him from Secret Wars. He's got lines all over his face. Um, And uh, so they head over, Angel heads over with Cyclops and Beast and is able to bring Iceman and Marvel Girl into the fold. And between Angel and Marvel Girl, they're able to slow their descent entirely because they do point out that they'll still be killed, but now they're not free-falling at least. I'm finding it hard to believe that they have the flying strength to support the other three X-Men who are essentially dead weight at this point. Yeah, well, this is all happening very quickly, so maybe they really aren't having all that much success. All right. So Iceman springs to action, and he makes an ice slide, which, again, I have another problem with. <laughs> now... Well, the, to to answer your problem, he does it at just the right angle. <laughs> it doesn't say that anywhere. So if I'm falling and I take a board and I also drop it below me to support my weight, it will be falling at the same rate as I. It won't slow me down in any capacity. So no matter what size ice slide he makes, it's all going to be falling at the same speed. So I have a real problem with the ice slide, too. The ice slide, as we have seen, defies gravity. Yeah, because there's no support beams on it to push it against the ground. So well, so somehow, I don't know, he must have created the support beams first, and we're just not seeing them in this panel. <laughs> sure, sure. That must or be. it just it has an anti-gravity support self-service. <laughs> All right. Given all of that, the ice slide does slow them down, and uh, they they crash uh, safely to the ground. It's not a very graceful fall. But I want to draw your eyes over to the uh, second and third panel of page eight. Oh, I thought you were going to draw my eyes over to the fact that Angel took his shirt off for no apparent reason. Well, come on. Gene's right above him. <laughs> oh, i got to get this shirt off before Gene lands. Oh, Gene, my shirt blew off. I don't. Did, did you find it? <laughs> did you, did, look at my muscles well he's still holding his shirt oh he's gonna let go of it in just a moment <laughs> um so anyways uh, Iceman what it's very oddly drawn picture here it looks like he's still wearing his suit and mm-hmm. <clears throat> it looks like he still has his uh Iceman or his uh Bobby Drake flat top which is iced over Mm-hmm. So it looks like there's a coating of ice over everything he was wearing, whereas in the previous page, he looks like standard Iceman with a round head. And uh, no, yeah, I don't think he does. I think if you look at the the last panel on page seven, he, he, he still has the cuffs from his pants, and it still looks like he has the flat top. You're right. So wouldn't the ice 
<laughs> when crust off his clothes probably but something. we don't see that <laughs> so this brings back my question does does he generate the ice or does he convert moisture into ice because if he generates the ice that ice would like burst through his would come out of his skin i guess and then burst through his clothes and his hair is never visible in ice uh man mode so why would it be uh visible here i do not understand his powers I mean, it was only last issue that we discovered that he had a limitation to his powers. Yeah, something we glossed over. Mm-hmm. But anyways, so, okay, they, they eventually they change, and nobody has the suitcase anymore. Well, I'm assuming that the suitcase contained their costumes. That's probably a safe assumption. Because otherwise it has no purpose in this issue whatsoever. My now, why do the X Men actually need their costumes? They're they're somewhere in Europe. Nobody knows who they are. Uh, you know, because they want some publicity. <laughs> oh, okay. If they manage to do something, they want to make sure that they're dressed up as the X Men, so that the X Men get credit. Uh huh. So the news story would be something like: uh, Warren Worthington was reportedly heading towards Europe when his airplane was shot down. In unrelated news, the X Men were also spotted coming out of that very same airplane. <laughs> exactly okay uh no connection between the two can be found all right so there's a giant spider thing that fought spider-man a couple of issues that's wait we what? get to see this nice panel of them all changing so they've all found like little separate areas <laughs> and they're all sitting you know putting on boots and goggles and beast is fastening up his belt and that's when the spider thing is like, it's totally spying on them, like checking yeah, them out. Yeah, and it's making like a... Mm, mm, I, saw nice. all the, I saw all the X-Men naked. <laughs> so um, they're, they're hoping that they can find uh, Factor 3 without Cerebro's help. Uh, but that's when the spider thing attacks them. It's some sort of spider-shaped robot, like the one Spider-Man said he fought. Until this very moment, I still didn't believe him. <laughs> yeah, that's Spider-Man. <laughs> there was a whole half of an issue of fighting these spiders between Banshee and Spider-Man, and Marvel Girl handily takes it out in one panel. Yep. She uses the patented Spider-Man method, even. Yeah. Um, which is noted right there in the little narrative there. Yeah, she forces it with telekinesis to blast itself. So even though they all kind of left on bad terms, I guess one could assume that they had a quick debrief, like, oh, and by the yeah. way, X-Men, I know that you're kind of jerks, and I'm kind of a jerk to you, and I don't want to join your team, and you don't really want to talk to me, but if you ever want to kill it, here's how. <laughs> Thanks, Spidey. <laughs> Handy power telekinesis, she says. <laughs> I managed to use the spider's own ray against it. How ironic. Uh, but but the joke's on them because more spiders appear out of the ground and they are surrounded uh, by spiders and two hooded guys with funny hats. Yes, with funny more more hats. Mm-hmm. That's the theme of Factor Three. They should have called themselves Factor Hat. Resistance is futile, X Men. Your only hope of survival is to join us. And These guys are armed with a gun. And a uh, bullhorn. Yeah, a bullhorn. <laughs> so I want to point this out. He says, um, 
Your only hope of survival is to consent to join Factor 3 in its battle against the humans. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let that hang in the air for a moment, and then we can move on. I didn't mean that long. <laughs> well, will you become our allies? You have 10 seconds to decide. After that, we shall order our arachnoids to open fire on you. So they're, you know, they changed their mind. I, I don't know. I. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and so uh, Iceman says, don't trust him, Psych. There's still one way open to us down this ledge. I, uh-oh. Don't trust him with what? That the arachnoids are going to open fire? I'm pretty sure the arachnoids are going to open fire regardless. <laughs> There's nothing to trust in that uh, that threat. But uh, Don't trust them and become their allies. Oh, okay. All right. It's, it's weird that Iceman would even think that that was an option on his leader's mind. <laughs> like, Don't join the bad guys, Cyclops. I think it's a trap. Yes, Iceman, yes. This is, this is why you're not quite ready for the leadership mantle. He's trying to tell them that they can sneak out down the ledge, but then it turns out that they can't sneak out down the ledge because there's some spiders climbing climbing up the ledge. Okay. Cyclops handily has beast handle it. Handily has beast handle it. Cyclops has beast handle it, and beast grabs a limb and swings and knocks both of the spiders down. They're doing pretty well against these spiders. It's a it's a it's a good one for the X Men. They don't normally do this well uh, so quickly. Uh, Cyclops blasts one away, and then uh, as one of the other spiders blasts towards Cyclops and whoever's got a boot there, he actually doesn't blast one of the spiders away. He blasts the ledge. Okay. Just the same. In case we're wrong, I'll blast the ledge behind us so that these pug uglies can't follow us along it. I resent that. I have a pug. <laughs> Um. Yeah, we want to find the professor, but not as his fellow as his fellow prisoners. But uh, so he and who I don't know who who is with him. Is it Warren? So it's basically uh, yeah yeah. It's basically Cyclops and Boot <laughs> take off around the corner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll say it's we'll say it's Angel. I think it's Angel. Um, and, and as uh, well because it's not a bare foot and it's not an ice foot, and I don't think it's Marvel Girl. So let's, let's go with Angel. Uh, one of the spiders is blasting at them, but they're protected by the curvature of the mountain, so that's kind of cool. But then in the next panel, Cyclops is right next to Beast, so I don't know who that foot belonged to. Well, no, there's still a foot in the panel. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, there's foot. So it's <laughs> now Cyclops, Beast, and Foot are approaching a valley of mist. It's the sixth member of the X-Men, Foot. <laughs> he just shows up from time to time when the X-Men are having problems. Hey, Foot, we need some help. Hey, you guys. <laughs> All right, so... So there's a strange mist up ahead, but the X-Men have no choice but to run through it. So they do, and uh, all the X-Men start to get tired, starting with Marvel Girl, and Angel is flying above it mm-hmm. and isn't feeling the effects, but sees his fellow X-Men starting to pass out, so he rushes into the mist to try to rescue them. Mm-hmm. They tell him no, but he does it anyway, and then he passes out too. And next thing, Beast is saying it looks as if Factor 3 has won. And everybody passes out. Cyclops is the last one. No, it can't. It must not happen. 
if we fall, all human life may be doomed. Maybe, because they don't really know what <laughs> the deal is. But there's no way to fight back. Nothing to strike out against. I, ugh. And they're passed out. To which they hear, Ha! This is the sight I have loved to, I, I have longed to see. And other taunts and such. And apparently, uh, the voices are very familiar. Cyclops notes. And well, it might be, fool, luck up, and now know the true meaning of fear. And then we get an awesome two-page panel spread thingy. Yeah, the first half is, uh, the first half is Angel, Iceman, and Marvel Girl staring at video screens of the Vanisher, Eunice, the Blob, and Mastermind. The second page is. Cyclops and Beast, and they're staring off into this distant room, mechanical room of sorts that they have appeared in, and there's some weird guy approaching them who looks kind of like a pirate from this distance. <laughs> and there's another shadowy figure above him. Yeah, the, the first half of this two-page spread is much more impressive than the second half. <laughs> uh, and, and so uh, the Vanisher, Eunice, and the Blob, and... Uh, the uh, mastermind, they're all taunting him, saying, you, you did this to me. I don't like you. Me neither. I'm the blob, <laughs> and I'm mastermind. And that goes on, it goes on for then, yeah. a few pages. <laughs> or no, actually, what, there's one page between this where the the pirate guy, who is the guy who is actually Shoe Man, he finally gets a name. He finally introduces he himself. himself. Yes, he is called the Changeling, and he is the X Men's prosecutor. What? Because they are on some sort of quote unquote fair trial. But I thought just a couple of pages ago, the two other hat guys were trying to say join Factor Three. Oh yeah, that doesn't really make much sense. <laughs> <laughs> so wouldn't it be? Uh, X-Men, you have one more chance to join our club, and if you decide not to, you will be put on trial, and I will be your prosecutor. <laughs> At which point, of course, the X-Men would say, go to hell, changeling, we'll never follow you, we'd rather die, and then he'll be like, well, I'm putting you on trial then, because that's what he sounds like. Or maybe he could have said, since it's clear you are not going to join us, we are going to put you on trial. <laughs> and then you shall be destroyed. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that doesn't happen. Uh, anyhow, he uh, apparently uh, he's the second in command of Factor 3, and he is preceded only by the Mutant Master. Information which Cyclops gets by saying, but what are we accused, changeling? Also, are you the real leader of Factor 3 or just his hired stooge? That taunt ought to get some responsive response. Maybe make him reveal what his mutant power is. <laughs> and it does. Except for his mutant power. We never, we don't learn that. We don't know what his mutant power is yet. Uh, so it's at this point that some lights go on and we don't really see the, the mutant master. But the mutant master talks. He says, I'm the mutant master and I have a story to tell you. And you're being accused of betraying your cause of the fellow mutants by acting as friends of the homo sapiens. For that you must die. Yep. And they show them a picture of 
Banshee and Professor X frozen in some sort of tombs. Yes. They they might have been once they might have once been your most valued allies, but now they're as doomed as you. So basically they keep saying it's a trial, it's a fair trial, but you're doomed. Yeah. You shall be destroyed. They keep reiterating that. You'll be destroyed, you're doomed. So why are they even bothering? <laughs> well, it's it's a show of force here. Uh, I like how the changeling has got a little podium there. Yeah. He stands behind and he's like, yeah, you know, he's got his notes back there. And let's see, we've got Banshee and Professor uh, X. There it is. Yes, Professor X. He's got little postcards. <laughs> oh, we're on the uh, we're on the taunting them with pictures of their friends page. Let's see, where is that taunting them with pictures? Ah, yes, yes. Behold the two helpless pawns. <laughs> Yes. Okay, let's see. We're only two panels away from the actual trial, so, okay, moving forward. Let's get the trial moving. And... Where did I put those cards? So that's when the Vanisher pops in and says, Remember when we fought? And then they show some scenes from the battle. Eunice gets his turn to talk about, Remember me and my force field? And Beast shot me, and that sucked because I couldn't eat a sandwich, and I was really hungry. <laughs> they show him reaching for some cake. Yeah. And trying then, to get some coffee. Yeah. And then the the blob, he's like, You didn't really do anything but beat me a couple of times, but I'm the blob. And they show some scenes of the the X Men taking care of the blob. Mastermind says, Well, it wasn't really you who defeated me, it was the stranger, but I'm still gonna blame you. <laughs> and by the way, I was only a statue for like a day. So it didn't really hurt that bad. So Which makes very little sense, because weren't the X-Men holding him, holding on to him as a statue or something? I don't remember. Or, I want to say they brought his statue to the mansion and like put it in their trophy case or something. So he must have like snuck out at some point. Or maybe they sold him to a museum. That's right. Yes. The um, professor's the beginning of Professor's art career. Such a realistic stone statue. This is amazing. It's where he got his fortune from. Yeah, of a French man in an overcoat. Don't you want to buy him? Yes, Professor, <laughs> we'll give you $10,000. Professor, could we get a percentage of that since we helped you defeat him? No. 75 cents, stipend. <laughs> That's all you get. Now get out of my way. But what if you get kidnapped someday? Then hitchhike. <laughs> Professor, why are you so angry? You may borrow the car. So then we see some scenes of Marvel Girl and Iceman taking care of uh, the Mastermind. And then we move on with the story. Uh, the Changeling is still at his podium. And this is just like, we're really dipping into the well here of how we can stretch this comic book. We've had uh, retellings of four villains' vi uh, uh, defeats. And now over the, two pages. Over two pages. And now the Changeling is going to tell us how I'm going to destroy the world. They've been found guilty. Um, due to the testament of the four villains. So now they're just going to die. Yep. But before they die, they want to tell the master, mutant master, pronounces the ultimate verdict upon them. It pleases me to tell you how Factor 3 intends to achieve complete domination of the world. So the verdict is, you have to hear my plan. <laughs> so the changeling has asked for the death penalty... But the mutant master has said, no, your punishment is to hear how I will destroy the world. Yep. Interesting. Okay, so it starts with some destruction. Uh, 
I don't actually know what's going on here. There appears to be a city covered in a force field, and the rest of the Earth is burning. Because <laughs> that's that's what happens when you drop an H-bomb, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's a very odd drawing. The city Yeah, should... this, this, he's basically, throughout human history, humans have been destroying themselves with their nuclear and hydro, with their hydrogen bombs and their mighty weapons and some sort of stuff. So we're going to take advantage of that, and uh, we're going to force them all to go to war, and uh, it's going to be great. Well, no, he says I'm going to. The destruction is going to be achieved by means of their own mightiest weapon, the hydrogen bomb. But the atomic weapons aren't enough because uh, it won't take out as, enough people. So then there'll be a giant world war, and that shall accomplish the Holocaust by the simplest of means. Soon at the top level, a meeting of Iron Curtain officials. Uh, an explosion shall occur that shall be blamed on the United States and that will launch. Oh, and then, so the United States is being blamed for a launch on the, uh, on the iron curtain, which presumably is Russia. But meanwhile, back at uh, one of the air filtration systems of an American ICBM base, paralytic gas will be entered into the system and all of the engineers will fall asleep. And somehow that'll allow all of the ICBM missiles to be launched directly at the iron curtain or Russia. And then that moment, World War III shall have begun and the human race will be doomed. And that's how we will destroy the world. Oh, no. And that's how we will seize power of whatever's left. Yeah. America looks like a bunch of jerks. But at the same time, they win because the Iron Curtain is wiped out. And then this third factor, factor three, huh, mm-hmm. comes in. The third, they call themselves the third factor between east and west. She'll come in and seize whatever's left. Yeah, yeah. This is our destiny. A destiny which you, because of your treason, cannot share. And then he finally sentences them to utter oblivion. What does that mean, utter oblivion? It doesn't necessarily mean death. And apparently it doesn't mean death, because the X-Men are all standing there, and the changeling hits a button on his podium... And everybody is stunned by a zap ray. They're stunned by the zap ray so that they can have their sentence carried out by the oblivio ray. Why the heck didn't they just put the oblivio ray instead of the stun ray and just shot them with the oblivio ray? Well, with the oblivio ray, they have to connect them all to to these helmets. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, So to answer your question... You need an oblivio ray to sentence someone to utter oblivion. That Fun. makes sense. Ah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Hopefully oblivion is a place. So anyways, the X-Men uh, were stunned, and I guess the changeling or maybe those two hooded guys or the spiders dragged them to the oblivio ray helmet room where they're all laying on their backs in these helmets. Um, Cyclops is saying, I can't shoot. Can you, Gene, can you use your telekinetic powers to open my visor? She says, no, I can't. Uh, the device over your head must be on too tight. Oh, there's no way to escape unless Iceman can use your ice powers to make just a little bit of ice. This is where I kind of look like, wouldn't the Oblivio Ray helmets have something in there to prevent these X-Men from using their powers? Well, the purpose of the Oblivio Ray helmets, well, the purpose of the Oblivio Ray is it is designed to sap your very wills so that you will obey my every command. So it doesn't work on their powers at all, just their wills. Okay, okay. Right, so that they're, it's going to be a life and death. So they're gonna, their wills will be dead, but their bodies will be living. 
I don't see utter oblivion here. It's kind of a horrible living, but I wouldn't call it oblivious. Oblivion, but anyway. So since there is no mutant inhibiting uh, bands going on here, Iceman is able to produce a little bit of ice, and Gene is able to levitate that ice over to some of the electronic vents or something, which melts <laughs> and short out the system. So they wait like twenty minutes for the ice to start melting. <laughs> And that releases the X-Men. They all pop out. Uh, they're able to free Cyclops from whatever metal band was over his uh, goggles. But not before a robot shows up and starts shooting at them. Look at the third, no, the one, two, the fifth panel, four, sixth panel on, uh, it's the, the introduction of the robot leg. It looks like mm-hmm. he's got wheels on his legs, like he's got roller skates on. He does. <laughs> he's a roller robot. I mean, he's got all sorts of weird things going on. He's got a flamethrower. He's got some sort of machine gun. He's got a tennis racket arm. He's got a... Yeah, is that what that is? Well, <laughs> it looks like uh, some sort of shield or something. Yeah, yeah. and then he's got something on his shoulder that kind of looks like a radar dish. One arm is big and fat. The other one is skinny. Yeah. Um and so he's 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 full bore, he, and he's got a machine gun for a head, which is kind of cool. And uh, I guess, is that like an eyeball in the middle there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've ever played uh, uh, Fallout New Vegas, he had like a head in his chest. That's kind of what's going on here, hmm. the robot does. Uh, anyway, so, uh, uh, yeah, so he's he's full bore. He's, blow, he's blasting away, and the X-Men have to, to fight this robot now. Angel's swings around to try to get it to target him so the other X-Men can put together some sort of counterattack, which Iceman blasts his flamethrower gun with a, uh, or his flamethrower with an ice, uh, his usual tact of icing it up, essentially, with a giant ice cube. He really is a one-trick pony, isn't he? And it actually works this time because it's it's fire. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Beast flies up, uh, does some acrobatics and takes out his little, his little radar dish, which apparently is his eyes. The metal that was over Cyclops's eyes finally gets removed and Cyclops is able to blast the robot in the back. Is that his back or is that where his little head thing? No, that's his back. You're right. So he, he fraps him in the back. Uh, Angel flies around. Oh, he was the distraction. <laughs> what he was and marvel girl looks on go leader man go says angel yeah <laughs> he's a cheerleader uh so apparently they do enough damage to the robot that the robot is confused and disoriented and is walking away in the opposite direction still not sure what that other tennis racket arm is for and maybe it's just like a plunger like it's just <laughs> i have no idea so they go back to try to find um uh, the changeling and maybe even the mutant master, but uh, they get into the room and there's nobody there. And then they hear the voice of the mutant master taunting them, and he appears on a giant Vizzy screen. Why should I not taunt you, fools? In some way, you managed to escape the Oblivio Ray, but you are still helpless to save the inferior, inferior humans you were sworn to protect within the hour. An explosion and a brace of runaway missiles shall signal the end of humanity and the coming to power of the evil mutants. And I shall rule the mutants. 
So the X-Men decide that they're too late. Uh, and they give up. And they give up, and the world is blown up, and that's the end of it. Actually, the Avengers swoop in and destroy the Mutant Master, and kind of, they lecture the X-Men. They're like, look, if you're going to be superheroes, we really want you to take this seriously. Uh, everybody everybody kind of gives up except for Cyclops. Cyclops says, no, it can't be. We must stop them somehow, some way. If you're an evil mutant, do you refer to yourself as an evil mutant? Yeah, I was thinking the same <laughs> thing. It was like, I mean, yes, he's evil and he has some bad things that he wants to do, but he probably thinks he's right. Yeah. So I'm sure he doesn't think he's evil. I've always had a, the same problem with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, but... As you read the comic books, I don't think Magneto or any of the other Brotherhood of Evil Mutants actually ever refers to themselves as the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. I think they just call themselves the Brotherhood hmm. or Brotherhood of Mutants or whatever. But anyways, uh, but uh, next issue, this is the greatest title in comic history so far, One Minute to Doomsday. <laughs> there is so much potential with a title like that. I love it, One Minute to Doomsday. That seems like it should be the name of like a... Um, Twilight Zone episode or something. And it could be like a whole bunch of different vignettes of like, what could we do in one minute to, to stop World War III? And you could have like the selfish guy who was only thinking about himself. Then you could have like the eco-freak and some professor and all these little stories. But that's not what's going to happen, I don't think. <laughs> it's it's probably not going to be as good as I just detailed. And, and uh, uh, it hopefully will be better than this issue. Yeah, this issue is kind of a setup. A setup for failure. <laughs> I, guess, I guess it reintroduced a bunch of bad mutants and, I don't know, it, it was essentially, I don't know, it was kind of filler. All of these issues for the last three or four issues to me have felt like filler. Yeah, but some of them are good filler and some of them are filler filler. The Spider-Man issue was not good filler. I don't even know what happened before that. These issues have been so boring. Wow. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to mince words here. I have not been having a good time with these last few issues. Dear listener, I hope you've at least gotten some enjoyment out of the suffering that we've gone through to bring you these issues. <laughs> because, good God, these are bad. I didn't think they were that bad. I, you know, I, I didn't think they were the best. But, hey. <laughs> That's where you and I differ. <laughs> comic book's a comic book it was enjoyable for what it was there have been better comic books sure but you know it's telling a big story this is one part of the tapestry oh good lord <laughs> maybe not the most important part of the tapestry but maybe you know a small edge I guess maybe they are kind of experimenting at this point with a long story arc, and maybe they just haven't really mastered the pacing. Yeah. Of course, they'll revisit this slow and awful pacing once again with Extinction Agenda, so, you know. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, so that that's my thoughts on the whole issue. Uh, anything else that we need to address? No, we didn't get any emails or reviews. Got a couple of Facebook likes this week. Hey. That was cool. So, folks, uh, you know how some, some like public television or public radio will do a fundraiser or a pledge drive? We're doing a listenership drive. We want to get into that top 1,000 of the hobbies podcast in iTunes. 
It shouldn't be that difficult to do. No, we just need a few more uh, ratings, five-star ratings on iTunes. And uh, I don't know how many more, but... Uh, more. Yeah, just more more. Give it a shot. Only you can cause this to happen. And last episode, we alluded to another podcast out there that's doing the same thing as we're doing. And uh, they're they're called X-Aspirations. Yeah, they're, uh, there's always room for another podcast. So, you know, they're doing their thing. They have more likes than us on Facebook. Joe, we... <laughs> our nemesis. <laughs> we, we have more ratings than them on iTunes uh, by one. But we better keep that up. Joe. We're counting on you guys. It turns out that they've been around for a month or two more than we have. So we can't really fall back on the, we were doing this first, but they're two different shows. Uh, those guys, they go off and they do, they're doing like the lineage, man. They're doing like anything ever having to do with the X-Men, even if it's just like a quick one-shot panel of like Iceman in Tales of Suspense that is a Thor story, they're covering it. So it's a, it's an interesting uh, way of doing it, I guess. It's not bad. And and there's a girl on it, so, you know. Yeah, it's a husband and wife duo. Yep. I wonder what they talk about when they're not podcasting. <laughs> there, there's just silence between them. Or do they get done with the podcast and she's like, you're such a nerd. <laughs> Honey. I don't know. I, I tried think. I was thinking about that myself. I was like, well, how would I do it? I mean, I, I get it. Like, he's the expert and she's the newbie and, and we try to bring them together and maybe she can be like, oh, it's such a sweet story. Marvel Girl's wonderful and... The romance is so believable or not. I don't know what they say. But anyways, uh, I get that part of it, but I was trying to imagine bringing my wife in and being like, okay, you and me, we're going to talk about comic books. She would last for about 23 seconds before she was like walking out the door being like, I don't know what you're talking about or what you see in this, but this is ridiculous. So uh, kudos to them for being able to pull it off. Um, I, I got to be honest, I've only listened to half of one episode, but the guy knows what he's doing. Uh, so... So there you go. Check them out, I guess. X, X aspirations. Uh, the, the one thing I will say, though, that we do have a one up on them. I mean, we did say they have more fans. They've got more reviews, and they've got they've been around longer than us. Uh, if you go into iTunes and you type in X Men, we're like the third uh, hit, and they're like the twelfth hit. So there you go. We got them on that one. Oh, take that! Booyah! Like I said last episode. They are Superman to our Batman. Yeah. Think about that. Do whatever you want with it. It may not mean anything. We're Batman. Batman's cooler. (laughs) All right. So uh, on that note. Superman's kind of lame. Yeah. Yeah. I I won't deny that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And not just Superman, but like Superman 3. Okay. (laughs) That might have been a bit too low. Okay. So anyways, uh, folks, that's it. Uh, Visit us at www.redcatproductions.com. You can leave comments there. You can listen to all of the episodes. And there's a lot of other stuff going on at redcatproductions.com, from videos to other podcasts from uh, myself and some friends of ours. So check all of that wonderful stuff out. Uh, go to www.facebook.com forward slash podcast. Like us there. Post something. You can listen to the podcast actually on Facebook. Um, what else we got? You can go to Twitter and follow us at 
Danger Room Go podcast racer speed go <laughs> which uh we will start updating pretty soon yeah I, got, I, I have some ideas perfect and then uh is that it you can also email us at danger room at uh, redcapproductions.com send us letters feedbacks uh as we said before um and as you heard last episode uh if you want to pick out a page a panel a sequence whatever keep it to about a minute and read the dialogue do some vocals do do a whole scene. Do background music. Get your friends involved. Whatever you want to do. Uh, a minute, two minutes, whatever. And we'll put it at the end of the podcast here, and you will be part of Internet history, or at least in somebody's cache somewhere. For those of you who are wondering how you do it, didn't get a chance to listen to the last episode, or listen to the last episode but want another sample, Henry Baker gave us a lot of material to cull from. So... Here's another sequence from Henry, just so you kind of get the idea of what we're looking for. Cut now across the woodland miles to an afternoon session of fun and games, X-Men style. Wolverine, no! You caught me by surprise! I'll hit you full strength! Are you hurt, my friend? Nah, you only mean mad, baby. The Wolverine just loves to get mad. Snip. Gangway Colossus isn't going to hurt you much. Hey! Correction, Wolverine. It will hurt Peter not at all. My wind blast has seen to that. <laughs> hey, Elf, what's so funny? You don't laugh at me, Nightcrawler. Got that. Nobody laughs at the Wolverine, mister. Kurt, watch out. Eh? Nobody. Bam. Wolverine, laddie, take it easy. You could have killed Nightcrawler then, you know. Yeah, I know. And that's what we're looking for. And if you want to jazz it up with sound effects, go nuts. We'd love to hear what you got. And if you inspire us, maybe Adam and I will do a sequence. But it'll be like Adam playing Dazzler and me playing Rogue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, anyways, uh, anything else, Adam, before we shut this thing down? Uh, gonna go with no. All right, folks. Until uh, next time, the danger room is closed. You're one of the country's leading sports psychology consultants. You've been in the Olympics, uh, Olympic Games, involved in Olympic Games six times. Now you're working with the uh, women's national uh, hockey team, and now you've written a book about the third factor. What is that? 